0: Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of the From Ballparks to Buzzer Beers sportscast. I'm your host Perry Morzinos and today we have a great episode on tap for you guys. So let's get straight to it. So there's a number of things I want to hit on today. Um, A couple of these things we haven't hit on in a while due to the NFL season and the NFL playoffs. So I want to get back to some baseball, MLB, even some NHL talk here as we head into March. So starting off, I'm going to start off with the Boston Celtics because right now they're arguably the hottest team in the NBA. Um, They have the second-best defense over the whole season, first-best defense since the start of the new year, um, best net rating since the start of the new year. They're right now sitting at fifth in the East. But they've climbed out of the play in tournament. And there's a lot of things to talk about with this team. Um, Especially just this remarkable turnaround that's taken place since really January 1st. And there were a lot of people that were saying, let's break up Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. I was not on that train. Um, I believe I covered the Celtics about a month and a half ago where I said, I wouldn't break them up, but if something doesn't change by the offseason, then I would break them up. Um, But they've shown that they can play together. Right now, Tatum's ball handling and passing has greatly improved since the beginning of the season. He's finding um, open passes, open lanes for guys to fish around him. He recognizes right now that the defense is trying to focus in on him. And if he can divert some of that attention to guys... And if he can take that attention and then give up the ball to guys such as Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Grant Williams, Derek White, whoever it may be right now, it's really, it's really really working out well for this team. I mean, Tatum just had 37 points on his birthday last night against the Memphis Grizzlies, a phenomenal game. Um, They really came back. But I think Tatum, people said that if Tatum keeps playing this way, he's a first-team All-NBA selection. And that's probably true. Um, I haven't been the biggest fan of Jason Tatum, um, just because I think that people have placed him as a top ten player in the league. I think he's right on the fringes because right now I think running down, I think in no particular order, but I think Giannis is better than him. I think LeBron is better than him. Uh Curry's better than him. Do, I don't know if I would put the Rose in over him. Um, right now. But I would put Morant over him. That's four. Um, Embiid's five. Yochik is six. Um, you've also got guys, guys such as Embiid, who I think is better. I think Dame is better at eight. Cat, um, I think, is a little bit better than Tatum right now at nine. So it's he's really a fringe player because once you, got, once you get into the Lillard-Cat range, that's where I think there's a lot of opportunity for discussion, even Morant. I think there's opportunity for who is better between Tatum or John Moran. But right now, I mean, I'm very happy with what I'm seeing out of Jason Tatum. Um, For those reasons that I just described, I think Emei Udoka has done a great job getting as as much out of him as he can. And I think that Tatum's passing is the biggest reason why this Jalen Brown-Jason Tatum pairing is working right now. Because... We said from the beginning of this pairing that one of them needs to learn how to pass. It didn't really seem like Jalen Brown was going to be that guy. Jason Tatum is the better player. Plus, Jalen Brown, I think, is more is a better shooter than Jason Tatum is. I think he's, um, I think his mid, his mid range game is far superior to Jason Tatum. I would say they're probably equal from behind the arc, but it, it's Jason Tatum is the team's best player, so he's got to get the ball into the hands of other guys. That's his responsibility. Um, And Tatum's attacking the basket a lot more, which is why you've seen guys like Grant Williams get his three-point percentage up and other guys get a lot of catch-and-shoot threes or they've um, faked the shot and then driven in. It's all because of Jason Tatum. And if Jason Tatum continues on this tear, there's no telling how far the Celtics can go. Another big reason is this supporting cast. I, Dennis Schroeder was not good here, um, I thought, I thought that they should have traded him, he obviously wasn't a big reason of what the Celtics were doing, they wanted to get the ball to Tatum and Brown, and Schroeder was a nice spark plug off the bench, but he was much better as a starter, and that wasn't realistic when this team was back at full strength, um, I've, I've been very impressed with what Smart's done this year, I've always said if he can just pass the ball and take good shots, he'll be fine. And he has really limited that num those number of just head scratching, just I can't really describe it, just frustrating shots that he's taken this season. And um I think a big part of that is he may I think he's really changed what the what he wants this team to do. And they needed that. Because Marcus Smart should not be taking the most shots. Out on the team ever that's there's no reason for that to occur and that's really changed since ime has gone in charge another reason is obviously robert williams i mean this guy has just been a force he's a lob threat he's a he's should be in the conversation i think for defensive player of the year he's basically the rudy gobert of the celtics he's a little more athletic i think um and if he can develop a mid-range jumper i mean this guy can be really really good I didn't like the deal that they gave him at the at the beginning of the season, uh 4 year 52 million, but now that seems like a really 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 good deal uh for the Celtics. I I can't say enough about this guy. He's a passing big. He's what you need in the NBA right now. And if he can develop some sort of a three-point shot, some sort of a mid-range game, this it will open up for this team. I think he will work in the off-season on that. Um and maybe that'll bring a new def- Um, a new dimension to this Boston Celtics offense but right now I'm very impressed with what Rob Williams is doing and then the other side of the coin you got Grant Williams who after Russ Tardew's career has really improved he's a great three point shooter he has learned that he can finish the shot and drive and find open guys I've always been a big fan of Grant Williams I thought he could be pretty good here Um, and he's then pretty, he's been really, really good this season. I believe he's shooting like 52% from three since the start of February. Um, I don't know what his overall three-point percentage is. I want to say it's somewhere around 38%, 40%. Um, really, really good numbers from Grant Williams. And then you all obviously got the deadline accusation, Derek White, who's been a guy that can play great defense, score at timely opportunities pass the ball he's he's perfect for this offense he's exactly what they needed and it, it was basically Schroeder for it wasn't the same trade obviously but it was basically true for White is how I viewed it I'm sure a lot of people viewed it that way as well I thought Derek White was a he's been a phenomenal acquisition for this Boston Celtics team and then you also got guys like Payne Pritchard who's been pretty good off the bench Al Horford has been rejuvenated since he's come back. But a question that I've gotten a lot is how far do you think the Celtics team can go? I don't fully trust them yet. I'm almost there. I think if they can get through this month of March playing really well, I'll be on the bandwagon. I've probably got one foot in, one foot out. I'm being cautiously optimistic with this team right now. But for me, the reason why this team is different than these than these other Celtics teams in the past is this defense I I talked about it at the beginning second best defense in the league behind Golden State first best defense since January first these their starting lineup of Tatum Brown Smart Horford Rob Williams can guard one through five they they're switching at the second highest rate in the league behind the Miami Heat um. And that's a big part of Rob Williams, big part of what Al Horford can do, and also what Marcus Smart can do. We've always known that he's been a phenomenal defender. It was just, can the offense not outweigh the defense? And I think it's really shown that this year that his offense isn't all that bad. And if you can live with some bad shots, one or two bad shots a game, it's only been for this year. Um, he brings a lot of good things on offense as a facilitator, and he's playing really well on the defensive side of the ball. So... We've said it a number of times here. Offense wins game, defense wins championships. And I'm not saying the Celtics are going to win the championship. Um, right now, their biggest goal is they need to get home court advantage. First off, before you do that, you need to stay out of the playing tournament, but I expect them to be able to do that. You have to get home court advantage. I, I mean, just looking at the rest of the East right now, you have the um, Brooklyn Nets who are a little shaken up, but should be somewhere there. Um, you've got the Philadelphia 76ers, who I believe have not lost since James Harden um, got traded over there. You've also, or since J- James Harden um, started playing for them because he got traded and then had set out a couple games. But then you also got teams like the Bulls, who are playing great behind an MVP candidate like DeRozan. The Bucks did the, 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 the uh, defending championship. And then I would take the Celtics over the Cavs right now, but still a very dangerous team. So this Celtics team does have a lot of work cut out for them. But I don't think it's... I think a conference finals is unlikely. Um, I wouldn't expect them to make the conference finals. I expect them to lose in the conference semifinals. Um, They should... If they lose in the first round, it's a disappointment. I would consider a semifinal exit disappointment as well. I think if they get to the conference finals and lose, well, you can look and say, well, it depends on who they lost to. If they lost to the Heat or And it also depends on who they beat in the playoff run. If they beat, you know, teams like the Hawks or like the Cavs, then I wouldn't be as like I know the Hawks aren't good this year, but if you they beat times like teams, excuse me, like that, I wouldn't be as impressed. But if they can knock off one of this big three of the Heat uh Nets Bucks right now, I think that this can be a very very interesting playoff and postseason for Boston, for the Boston Celtics and Boston Celtics fans, but heading over to their TD Garden, um, co-roommates, whatever you want to call them, the Boston Bruins. Right, we haven't talked a lot of NHL on here, um, but I think it's very important to talk about the Boston Bruins, especially with this co- um contention window certainly close, certainly closing, if not closed. Um, this is another very interesting team because I, I personally love watching hockey. Um, I love the Bruins, but this team is very interesting because they've got an inexperienced goalie tandem in Linus Olmark and Jeremy Swayman. They've got Patrice Bergeron and Brad Martian still anchoring the first line. Then you got a very interesting second line of Eric Halla, Taylor Hall, David Pasternak, and then McAvoy leading the defense with Matt Gryzlik as well. And then you've got the disgruntled winner, winger in Jake DeBrusk who wants to trade. This is really their last best chance in my eyes. Um if because I think that it's very likely that Patrice Bergeron retires at the end of the season. I think it's about 50-50. But they've got I think they've got to do something this year and the East Alain, the Eastern Conference, excuse me, is pretty wide open. Um You've got the Maple Leafs who were always there. And then you've got the three juggernauts, really, in the Carolina Hurricanes, Tampa Bay Lightning, and Florida Panthers. So I don't think that the Celtics and Bruins are all that different. I think you've got those three teams right there. Then you've got the team lurking in the back like the Maple Leafs in the Bruins case and like the Nets in the Celtics case. And I feel better about the Bruins beating the Maple Leafs than I would about the Celtics being the Nets. But still, it's like that one dangerous team. And then you've got the Bruins somewhere in that mix. Um, And you've also got the Pittsburgh Penguins to worry about. But if I'm the Bruins, I'm looking to make some sort of deadline acquisition on the defensive end. Because although I like McAvoy, I love McAvoy. And Matt Grizzly is a good top pair. Um, But then you've got Brandon Carlo, who's not having all that great of a season. Mike Riley, Derek Ford and um, Connor Clifton, that's your top six right now. I think you need some sort of improvement. Um, Probably a left-shot defenseman would be a little bit better. But honestly, whoever works for this team would be fine. Somebody that can—a top four defenseman would be great. Because right now, I kind of like the forward lines where they're at. I like the Marsh and Bergeron-DeBrusque line. And I think that if they acquire somebody for DeBrusque or if DeBrusque stays— I think anybody that slots up there on that top line um, with Marshand and Bergeron is still going to be pretty good. And then that second line I mentioned, Hall and Pasternak have been playing really, really well together. And Eric Hall has been pretty decent as that center. And I really like the third line that they're rolling out with um, Coyle, Frederick, and Craig Smith. The um, 11-12-13 line I like to call them, even though Coyle's in the center. So it would really be 11-13-12. But... I really like that line I think that that line has a chance to be special and you need one of those bomb two lines to hit in the playoffs and I think that that third line could hit and I do like the fourth line with Curtis Lazar Nick Foligno and Thomas Nosek right now um obviously that can change but the fourth line isn't the big issue here I think they need a top four defenseman because I really like Jeremy Swayman I think Linus Allmark has had a pretty good season I didn't like bringing back Tuca. He retired, so I think that was kind of a blessing in disguise for the Boston Bruins because Jeremy Swayman has just been on a tear since Tuca retired. I I don't know. I mean, I don't expect the Bruins to make the Stanley Cup Finals, and I think people need to temper their expectations about the Bruins making the Stanley Cup Finals. But I think I could see them. They should at least win the first round, and then I could see them losing anywhere. Um, if they have to play the Lightning... Um, that's probably who they're going to end up playing. It's probably going to be a loss. Um, if if they somehow avoid the Lightning and play a team like the Hurricanes, like the Panthers, like the um, Maple Leaves or the Penguins, that's going to be extremely tough. And then even if they get to the Stanley Cup Finals, I it, it's very unlikely for this team. But look, I think I'm really interested. I'm really, really interested in these two Boston teams because right now they're the only two active sports teams because you've got the Patriots who are always in the news for whatever reason um because the NFL is just so big and I will bring up the Patriots sometime in the next couple weeks here but they're not playing right now the draft the free agency starts I believe um March 20th I want to say or somewhere around March 16th maybe it might be that date um I actually think it's March seventeenth. March seventeenth, I think, is the actual date. Um, but still, they're not playing, and the draft isn't until around April twenty eighth, I believe it is this year. And then you've got the Red Sox, who are obviously in the MLB lockout, which I'll talk about in um a fifteen seconds here. But these Celtics and Bruins teams are very intriguing because I could see them falling anywhere from out of the playoffs to really a championship win. So I'm I'm really really interested and in looking forward to. The conclusion of the seasons for these two boston sports teams but we haven't talked a lot baseball in here recently so i wanted to hit on that a little bit too um the last time we talked about baseball i believe was the world series it might have been the world series um obviously since then the players got locked out by the owners and On Tuesday, the deadline was for them to reach a new CBA, collective bargaining agreement. That didn't happen, so the first week of games are canceled. And there's a lot of blame to go around here. And you can play the, well, it's billionaires fighting versus millionaires uh, card, and I agree. Nobody wants to see this fighting. Everybody just wants to see the sports back. I love baseball. I like playing baseball a lot more than I enjoy watching it, but still. I, I don't want to see this lockout drag out for a while, and I think every week that deal doesn't get done, another week of games is going to get canceled. Um, main issues are the competitive balance tax. I believe it's at two twelve million or two oh eight million is the first threshold right now. The players want an increase to two forty six million in their in- new proposals. Right now, they're hovering around two twenty million. Um, basically, what the competitive balance tax is for those of you that don't know it's so baseball doesn't have a salary cap or a salary floor so what they do is once you hit a certain amount of payroll they start taxing you and then if you get in the tax, there's like a repeat offenders tax where if you pay the tax a number of years then the tax goes up so it's supposed to help smart market teams out so big market teams don't take all the good free agents and don't pay a lot of money um obviously you know big market teams aren't for aren't afraid to pay that tax but it has acted as basically of a salary cap here this these last few years and that's a big issue for the players because they don't want a salary cap that's been their biggest issue since the day the union was formed and um so they want an increase in this maybe a decrease in penalties um also an issue is the minimum salary right now, the owners propose a 700000 minimum salary. The players want that to go up. There's also the um, arbitration pool, which is a little confusing, where the top 15 in a certain WAR statistic, wins above replacement statistic, will be paid a certain amount of money, money to come out of the pools. So it's all these things going on. Um, reportedly, what they have agreed on is a pitch clock, which they're calling a pitch timer. And the universal DH, um, so there's been the question of who is this blame fall to, and I believe that falls to the owners, because the players haven't gone great CBAs the past couple years, and the owners at the end of the day are billionaires. And Rob Manfred, who's the worst commissioner in sports by far, is claiming that base that being a baseball franchise owner isn't profitable. That's a joke. That's that's ridiculous. Um, the, the um, valuation of these franchises has gone up exponentially in the past decade or so. Um, but baseball is a dying sport, right? They are in danger of being put into this market where hockey is, where it's kind of like a regional sport, where teams like the Red Sox and the Yankees will still have fans, um, but other teams, like, it won't be as much of a national game. Like, you won't see Red Sox fans watching, um like colorado rockies games as much and it it would hurt baseball because it is america's pastime but at the end of the day it's an it's an issue that the owners and players need to realize and i don't know if they realized it yet which is very very concerning um but i also wanted to talk about just when i think this could end and nobody really knows but reportedly baseball franchises lose money in the first month of the season um and the the owners are hoping you recuperate back some of that money in the expanded playoffs um which is either going to be 12 or 14 teams um it's i think i believe it's most likely going to be 12 at this point i would expect games until may at the earliest um this could go on for a while and then you also have the issue of the players are going to be wanting to pay a full salary, the owners aren't going to pay that, so then what happens? And that's a whole other issue that hasn't been talked about as much, I feel. um, So it, it just seems like these two teams can never get on the same page, and this is going to be the second time in three years that baseball hasn't played a full season. The first year was due to the COVID pandemic, but they still could have come back much earlier than they did. And then this year because of the lockout, so... You've seen fighting between these two parties for a number of times, and baseball is a dying sport. That's what it is. And the owners and players knew speed up the game, but they're too concerned with money and logistics right now to realize that there are also on the field problems that need to be taken care of. But that will do it for us today, guys. As always, thank you for listening. Um, go to the website from ballparksabuzzbeers.com. Our Gmail is there. Our social media is there. Um, please dm us email us segment ideas feedback both positive and negative maybe you want to hear another sport being talked about we finally got hockey and baseball in there today but maybe you want to talk about a little bit of golf the masters is coming up in just a month so please let us know if you want to be a guest i'm sure we could work something out but that'll do it for me today guys as always thank you for listening i'm perry mortinos with the from ballparks to buzzer be Beer sportscast